0: Welcome to the Final Draft podcast. My name's Andrew Popel and today we are celebrating Poetry Month this August with Dr. Tamron Bennett. The Final Draft podcast explores books, writing and literary culture. Every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SCR in Sydney. Now here at Final Draft we are dedicated to exploring Australian writing, be it debut authors or the classics that you know and love. Each of these conversations is a way to look at the issues that drive the author's storytelling and help you discover more from the books you love, because these are the stories that make us who we are. Two SEL broadcasts from the lands of the Gadigal people, and I'm recording on the lands of the Darug and Gunungara people. I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of those lands and pay my respects to their ongoing connection to their lands. These are unceded lands, and treaty has never been made with Australia's First Nations. Red Room Poetry are uh, the the premier uh, body representing, publishing, uh, just being there for poets in this country. And today, I am joined by their artistic director, Dr. Tamron Bennett. She will be talking to me about Poetry Month. It's a month every year, held every August, to celebrate Australian poetry, and it is a great way just to, to get involved, to create your own poetry, to be inspired I'm really excited to be bringing this. I was I was able to discuss um, discuss the first Poetry Month that happened a couple of years back. Go check that out in the podcast. But today on the show, join me as Dr. Tamron Bennett discusses Poetry Month this August. I am so pleased to be welcoming to the show Dr. Tamron Bennett. Tamron is a poet and is the Artistic Director of Red Room Poetry. Red Room Poetry are now in their 20th year and Tamron is joining me to celebrate Poetry Month happening this August. Tamron, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thanks, Andrew. Hey.
0: I've learned over many years inviting a poet on the show the best way to start any conversation. Would you like to share a poem with us to get us uh, in in the mindset, in the mood for Poetry Month and what we're about to talk about?
1: Sure. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll read you one of mine. It's not as exciting as some of the cat poems or phone scan poems that we have to share throughout Poetry Month. Uh, but this one is uh, for the poet Jacqueline Suskin, who's going to be running some of our international workshops through Poetry Month. For Jacqueline, you find the broken quartz, a battery in a bed of mud, gift its veined wing for me to carry to the other side of a sky. Riding beside the mad river, its ever-shifting mouth, fireweeds sparking edges. We sun bodies, spectres carved in black sand. Sharp tongue splits the earth, calling us inside. We take stones to the surface, recite our silent promises, shivering in serpentine water until blazing again. On the way home, a severed snake and a still bird, the buck and thimble berries. Fox trotting gravel, the raven's smashed eye, a measure of the magic. This is how Earth works.
0: Thank you so much. It's such a great way just to get, I think, anything started, but especially a conversation about poetry. And Poetry Month is now in its third year. I I remember speaking to David and Anne-Marie back in 2021 when we all joined in that first Poetry Month from lockdown. I mean, obviously, so much has changed. What does Poetry Month look like now in 2023?
1: Poetry Month is a mix. It's carried a lot of those things uh, right through from its very uh, beginnings and its origins during lockdown. So we really found that a lot of people uh, wanted to continue participating in hybrid ways. So a lot of our showcases where we're running across the country, events in every state and territory, including a national gala on the 4th of August in Sydney, Um, we also have live stream options for people to join in. We've got a bunch of online workshops that are this year run by international poets and they're all um, you know free to join or by donation so there's heaps of ways that people can get involved at home still we've got daily writing prompts that flow on from our 30 poets that we have coming out uh, a new poem every day and they've written a prompt for us so that we can each be inspired to write our own poems there's prizes there's book clubs we've got poetry ambassadors like elfresh uh, and they're all sharing their work throughout poetry month uh, Heaps of it is online and there's lots of live events in every state and territory. Uh, community calendar, we've got projections of poems happening in the city as well. So, yeah, there's no shortage of ways you can join in in Poetry Month.
0: I think we'll mention this a couple of times, Tamarin but I'm just going to let people know redroompoetry.org is the place to go to check out all of these incredible events, find out a little bit more in detail it feels like poetry has been having its moment the last few years. I mean, not that, you know, not that poetry hasn't had its moment many times over the generations, but we need to look no further than Evelyn Araluen's Drop Bear, Sarah Holland Bats the Jaguar, winning the last two stellar prizes to, to see poetry is on people's minds. It is part of the way we are thinking. How do you feel about poetry in the public consciousness right now?
1: Yeah, like you said, it's definitely having its moment. I think it's one of our oldest art forms and a thread that runs right through so many other art forms, the best lines of our favourite novels, screenplays, um, Netflix series. They're they're really poetic. So um, it's always there. And I also think the malleability, the portability of poetry, and we only need an imagination for it um, to work. So on Instagram as well, I think, you know, Rupi a lot of those international poets. We've worked with Courtney Peppernell. She's one of Australia's highest selling poets, but isn't really recognized as a poet here, but has a huge Instagram following. So there's um, a really breaking open of all the ways that poetry can be read, experienced, written. And that's what Poetry Month is really about. Um, Not only sharing work from this whole spectrum of poets, um, but also just getting people to try it out themselves if they haven't before.
0: You mentioned their malleability, like the, the, the way the form can shift and shape, and uh, I guess it really surprises us. And I contrast that with thinking about I feel like t- maybe too many of us were brought up with this idea of poetry as maybe being a little bit elitist, maybe being a little bit stuck in forms. What would you say to that? Like, how would you address someone who feels like poetry is for someone else and it's not something that they have in them and that they can create?
1: Yeah, what I love about poetry, I mean, I did, I studied in comics and poetry. I was deaf as a kid, so I didn't have language at all. And the whole thought of language and poetry really terrified me of speaking out loud, performance, poetry, all those things were really quite scary to me. So looking at visual forms of poetry, experimental forms of poetry, and that showed me that poetry can be graffiti it can be the conversations you're having on the street anything that's using um, language or text to communicate or sometimes it doesn't even have that within it um, Yeah. So just breaking those forms way open. We work, uh, Red Room has done work in prisons and in schools. We're working with kids with really, um, you know, at the beginning of their journeys as writers or with their literacy. So it doesn't need the beginning, middle and end. It doesn't need perfect syntax. You can really break those things out as opposed to, I guess, the things that we were sometimes um, jammed into our minds when we were studying poetry at school that There's an answer to the poem. Um, When you ask poets themselves, there's not an answer to the poem. It's quite the opposite. So, I always think there's no right or wrong in poetry. There's no single definition even of what poetry is. It's really up to each of us how we interpret and feel that form.
0: You just shared so much before about what Poetry Month is, all the different things. And I, I wanted to really just help invite people in and one that you, you mentioned briefly, and I, I I don't think you can go past the 30 and 30 as, I guess, it's not just an event so much as a way for people to live poetry for the whole month. Can you explain a little bit more about the invitation of 30 and 30 to all of the people participating in Poetry Month?
1: Yeah, that's um, a great way to get involved. So, every day we have a new poet sharing the work that we've it's a fresh commission. So they've been invited to write about something they care about, something that speaks to them. And like I said, we've got poets all across the country from uh, Elfresh the Lion to Shastra Deosh in Queensland sharing uh, cat poems. We've got Emily Zoabay. Baker and Marie Hardy, They're sharing collaborative work. Melanie Mungana um, in and on the Northern Territory sharing uh, works in language as well. So all across the country every day there's this fresh poem that's coming out and um, connected to that poem is the poets sharing their own reflection of what poetry means to them and a prompt that can inspire other people to write their own poem um, riffing on that theme. So um, Jennifer Wong has a a poem uh, about phone scams and there's a chance that you can yeah write your own uh, phone scam poem and then we also have daily prizes connected to that so people can um, jump on board write a three-line poem and win some of these poets works as well
0: I love it. I remember it from twenty twenty one. I think I had I had a crack at a few poems that I wrote for myself. It's also it's so wonderful to see the thirty and thirty because these are I mean, I think if you if you live in a milieu where you can say, Oh, a famous living poet, then you are probably doing something right in life. But these are also people who we wouldn't think of necessarily as poets um Bob Brown, well known as an activist and a politician, uh, Teela Reed, again just an incredible lawyer and uh, you know prominent uh, rights campaigner, like Tara Moss, who is an incredible author but is known for so many other things, all contributing to this. I love it. It's so exciting to see people bring poetry into their world.
1: Yeah, that's what we really want to do. I mean, a lot of people have, um, as you said, had that first taste of poetry, maybe when they've been at school, and then it's been something that they've really shoved away for a long time. And we're inviting those um, public figures all through like from politicians, sporting figures, actors, musicians, um yeah, right the way through to uh, Prime Minister's Prize winning poets uh, and Sarah Hollenbat, who you mentioned before, to yeah, share what poetry is to them. So there's no um, barriers of who can be a poet. It's wide open.
0: I alluded before to, I guess, some of the conceptions of poetry that we are brought up with and I wanted to I want to interrogate that whilst also sticking on this Poetry Month thing. There are so many different aspects to the month. I actually wanted to call out something that's happening a little bit after, so I don't know if it's officially under the banner of Poetry Month, but the Poem Forest Workshop, Threatened Species Day. It's happening on September 7th. It's sort of online workshops for students, and I'm really, I'm really interested in that. So many of us were maybe traumatized by poetry at school. What does it mean for you to engage young poets in creativity and creativity with a social conscience?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what poetry is all about for me. What action can poetry inspire? How can it be tangible and real? What can it do? And the palm forest grew from, uh, yeah, lots of different places, lots of different seeds. Uh, but I grew up in a plant nursery and really saw the way that, um, being on country, connecting with country and, um, after bushfires, after school strikes for climate, lots of those things, um, the action wasn't always being taken by the people that we think might take the action. So how can we put that back in the hands of young people who are calling for these actions and making sure that their voices are heard and can make a tangible difference? Because that's what I was hearing in classrooms where people, what we're asking them to use their voice and they weren't feeling that. They could make a difference. So, we created palm forests, and it means every nature poem that a young person sends us, we plant a tree for them. And so, we're tracking towards 15,000 trees right now. That means 15,000 poems have been written and published on the Red Room uh, website. And you can read them all online. They're all there. And this workshop is a way for young people to be able to write some more and get um, closer to that uh, experience of the trees that they're helping to plant and also just inspiring communities, families, anyone to plant those trees um, in their own backyard or get together and plant them in other places um, as well as the ones that we will plant for them. But, yeah, poetry can make real change.
0: It's so incredible. I, I think more than anything else, I love the way it is an invitation to to try out like this. We all have a voice. I, there's no doubting that. But to try out what your voice sounds like and not just parroting ways of thinking and speaking, to try out your own voice. And I, I really love that. So, um, yeah, I think that's what, kind of wonderful. That's why I wanted to call it out as a way and also a way of making Poetry Month extend into the rest of the year. Um. I'm going to mention it again. Hey, we can't forget, redroompoetry.org is where you're going to find out all the details. I'll make sure that we put this up on uh, all the final draft spaces. Tamron, I think, I think we've got a little bit of time left. And I am a sucker for my guests' areas of academic specialty. You mentioned it before. Your PhD was on comics poetry. I was wondering, could you, if, if you don't mind, I didn't actually check with you on this, but... Could you share a little of what that is and how you explored it?
1: Yeah, uh, comics, poetry, I mean, it fell into that in a backwards way. So, like I said, I was um, deaf when I was younger. So, writing, language, all those things came to me really late and my first way into that or understanding that yeah it was it was a safe place for me was working with a visual artist uh Dan Moynihan and he used to um graffiti quite a lot and he said how about I put some of your writing into that we started making artist books together he'd take some of my words and he'd transform them in these visual ways and what I love about that um In a painting, no, you can be taught how to read a painting, but you can also absorb it all at once. And it reminded me of a poem, how we can read those things in different directions. And I got really interested in visual poetry, the whole span. So, um, yeah, from people like Malamé or Apollinaire and these calligrams and shape poems that you could absorb like a picture, through to the Chilean poet Cecilia Vicuña, who was really weaving rivers, singing poems into the wind, collecting rubbish, calling that a poem. And that for me was really just, yeah, wild, how all of these things could be forms of poetry. So dug a little bit deeper into actual comics and on the fringes like – Um, less so the Marvel comics, but also um, a lot from Scott McCloud's work on understanding comics and this real sequential idea of comics. They're a series of boxes, but the comics I was into were things like Warren Craghead's How to Be Everywhere, which is an adaptation of Apollinaire's work, and they're really art comics. So looking at all of these things, silent comics, comics without words, and then just understanding Yeah, how we could shift definitions of comics and poetry.
0: Fantastic! Look, this is going to be a wonderful companion piece to an interview that went up uh, last week on uh, a a graphic novel called New York City Glow by the artist Rachel Code. And like, I just I think for those of us that love to read, it's always good to have that reminder that we can explore narrative in. So many different ways Uh, and not just, I I, I actually, I found some of your writing um, Tamron and not just the idea of strictly linear narrative, but the way ideas um, open up, explode, explore um, in visual, in different ways. Um, Tamron, I'm, so excited to be able to uh, share Poetry Month with people. I am speaking with Dr. Tamron Bennett. We are discussing Poetry Month, which is happening all through August. One more time, redroompoetry.org is the place to go to find out more, to sign up for different things, to get poetry prompts, to read poems, to hear poems, to get involved. Tamron, thank you so much for the time you've taken today.
1: So grateful. Thank you, Angie.
0: That is it for today's final draft podcast. Thank you again to Dr. Tamron Bennett. Tamron joined me today from Red Room Poetry. We were discussing Poetry Month. I just, can I recommend again, go out, get involved. All the details you need to find are at redroompoetry.org. My name is Andrew Popel. It's been an absolute pleasure. Final Draft is recorded on the lands of the Darug and the Gunungurra people. And if you want to stay in touch, you'll find us on... Most of the social medias, like I feel like there's new social media every day. I can't promise we're on all of them. But just look for our Final Draft to SER. Come and say good day. Drop us a comment. Subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. I, uh, it's a great way to share. It's a great way to reach out and let us know what's happening. Uh, did I say I'm Andrew Popel? I'm Andrew Popel. I'll be back with more great conversations, with more incredible Australian authors, with more book clubs every week. But till then, happy reading. Bye for now.